Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome, everyone. It's the CryptoLark. Very, very excited to have back on the channel, Mr. Christoph. Christoph, how's it going, dude? Oh, man, it is going really good right now. Really good, especially looking at what the market is doing. It's been very exciting watching the market recently. I mean, obviously, since the start of the year, we've seen Bitcoin go from a little over 3,000 to nearly hitting 9,000. And that's monumental. And that's, of course, just Bitcoin. There's been so much opportunity this year. It's absolutely crazy. But just before we do jump into talking about that opportunity, because the opportunity is crazy right now, just for anyone who um, is not signed up with Mr. Christoph yet, link down below. You can check out his YouTube channel. He's got amazing information and amazing communities. Make sure you check, do check out his channel. Now, Christoph the opportunity in the market right now the, the crazy thing is we're starting to have that turnaround we're starting to have that moment where we are getting this really bullish momentum in the crypto market and there's so much opportunity going on what are your thoughts on it right now oh my gosh where do i begin <laughs> i mean <laughs> really where, where do you where does one begin when you ask this i mean okay how about this for those watching this right now right who got into this space because of 2017 all right. So if they got into 2017, let's just say third quarter 2017, we're like, we're probably like at the beginning of 2017 right now, as far as the, as far as seeing the things happening, right? Mm. Seeing the preparation on the battlefield. You know, if you look at the battlefield right now, like, okay, take, take, take what everyone sees every single day, like the coin market gap, put that to the side. If you look at the entities behind those projects, right? and look at what they're doing on the battlefield right now, how they're paving things and how they're preparing opportunities to make more money. It's it's just insane. It, it's This is like, we are at a time right now where anybody watching this, you could be in the slums of India with a computer and internet connection and you, and you could right now turn yourself, I mean, the, the opportunities for wealth right now are just insane, you know? It's just, I, I don't even know where to start. It's like, makes my brain just start to like, the steam because i don't know where to go with this i mean even if you do something as simple as invest in a project right now it's like hard it's almost impossible to say that you will lose money right it's not a guarantee that we're gonna 10x by the end of the year but with what bitcoin is doing now institutions coming into this space mm -hmm. all their projects preparing new things in the space and all these things require bitcoin to start onboarding don't forget that you know what i mean there's just so many things happening that says more money's going to come pouring in and more opportunities will be available to you. You know, it's just, I, I, I'm trying to, trying to, trying to stay in a calm fashion. How to excitement, really excitement. Yeah, ah. so much excitement. And it kills me is why, why are some people passing up on these opportunities? Uh, well, there, I saw a really good quote the other day. It was something like, um, it was something like, Winners lose a lot mm -hmm. and losers don't win a lot. And that's because the, the winners are willing to get out there and take the risks. And yeah, you might lose a lot, but if you can protect your downside, then you're a lot likely to 
have those bigger wins um, and more of them versus the guy who kind of sits on the sidelines the whole time and says, ah, I'm really scared of everything. I don't want to risk. And no, you don't, you don't expose yourself to those wins either. And I think that's something to keep in mind. This is investing. There is always risk involved. And if you're not willing to take risk, you might be in the wrong game. It, that quote that you're talking about <clears throat> makes me think of another quote that I used to love when I was younger. And it was, there, what's the difference between a master and a beginner? Right? And this falls in the same line as what you're saying. A beginner has never failed, whereas a master has failed thousands of times. Mm-hmm. And that, that is truly the defining thing about it that will make you good at anything. Like, you know, there's so many people sitting in the sidelines just saying, oh, this is, oh, I'm going to speculate. I'm going to give other people a hard time for, for doing this, you know what I mean, or, or getting involved with something. But I myself, I'm not really going to go on there and take any risk. You know, without that risk, there's no reward. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and it's true, though. It's true. Right now, where we're at, in my opinion, not financial advice, but in my opinion, is this time period right here before all the crazy copycats get in the space. Like Binance really controls the IEOs. Yes, there's other launch pads out there that are trying to do IEOs. But there's going to be more copycats and there's going to be other kind of things coming out trying to recreate this just to grab cash. Mm-hmm. Things get really dangerous at that point, get even riskier. In my opinion, the, the phase that we're in right now with opportunity, where, where the market's at right now, is like prime time. You know, like it takes, re, it takes a serious absence of, of, of research to lose money right now, in my opinion. My opinion. Well, there's a lot of good projects out there and a lot of good projects coming in. I I did a poll recently on Twitter and I kind of the question was, well, what do you think is going to do better return wise over the you know, coming year or whatever? And it was uh, I gave the options Bitcoin, Ethereum, recent IEOs or older projects. And actually, people chose older projects more than everything. Bitcoin and Ethereum were kind of neck and neck for second and third place. And recent IEOs were just way out the bottom at only like 10 percent of the voters. And that kind of got me thinking, well, is this just people? You know, bag holders going, oh, please let my bag pump. I've been holding it for so long. I really want it to do well. Then you do have to keep in mind, too, that some of these old projects, you know, they're moving from proof of concept or testnet on the main net. They're getting their customers now. So the projects that were launching on testnets in 2018 are launching on main nets now in 2019. So there is that, I think, to, to factor in here as well, too. But the recent IEOs, I think people enough people got burnt with ICOs. I mean, we we forget somehow collectively that people also made insane fortunes with ICOs and anyone who did do well off of ICOs maybe forgot either to take their profits or forgot um, to, you know, about all that money being made and just concentrated on 2018 and all the prices going down as the market collapsed. I personally know someone who, what they did in 2017 when things were really absolutely crazy, Personally, what they would do is they would take $50,000 and find five different projects, five different ICOs, knowing that the math says that four of them will more likely fail, but one of them will do good. Mm-hmm. And that one that succeeded, guess what? He made his money he lost and then a whole bunch more, you know? And that's 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 the thing. And it's just, it's just crazy where we're at, you know? And, and if... If you look at what you just mentioned, too, about the fact that a lot of things are going from testnet to mainnet right now, right? The excitement kind of wears off on, on some of those things, but she also it also tells you, okay, listen, these, these projects, 
they're, they're viable. There are certain ones that are viable. Mm -hmm. Certain ones made it from the test to the main. What did they do? Okay, what was their logic? How did they do it? What was their team like? Great. Let me find something else up and coming that's a lot like that. You know what I mean? That has a business acumen, mm -hmm. the developers. I mean, there's so many resources out there, Lark. I don't know how to. I don't know how to. I don't know how to get this one out there because I know right now <laughs> we used the the evil words finance and the evil words IEO, and people right now I can only imagine what they're thinking. But I don't know how to get people to understand that if you're watching cryptocurrency YouTube and you're involved in the cryptocurrency, you're here to make money. You know. There's so many opportunities. Let me ask you this, though. Let's just say you did nothing with anything outside of Bitcoin, right? Mm -hmm. If someone just bought Bitcoin today, what do you, where do you think Bitcoin is going to be by the end of this year? I have no idea. And that's, that's a the, good. <laughs> and the thing is, if, I, if someone was out there looking to buy Bitcoin today, I would say don't go all in today. Spread it out. If you got ten thousand dollars, we'll put a thousand bucks in for the next ten weeks. You know, and in that way, yeah, maybe the price goes up, but you're also you're limiting your downside potential by if it does go down, well, then you can get it at a cheaper price. You see, I asked that question at consensus to anyone that I, I could have that conversation with, and it's kind of crazy. Like it was almost a unanimous answer that by the end of this month, ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. End of next month, around fourteen thousand dollars. It's kind of crazy how everyone's on that same wavelength. When you ask people the end of the year kind of thing, it was really hard to get a clear answer. But there's one thing that everyone could agree on: is that Bitcoin may have its points of retracement, pullback, sell-offs, but ultimately by the end of this year, the price of Bitcoin will increase. Yep. More people seem to be even more optimistic about next year because of the happening. Me as a miner, I'm very optimistic about that. Would you like to hear what I learned at Consensus about mining? Absolutely. Well, definitely mining is, I want to really be part of our conversation today because you're in the thick of it, right? You're actually running a mining farm. So I think you've got insights that no one else can really give you in terms of mining. If you've got a, one or two miners at home, well, that's cool too. But like running a mining farm is a very different gig. It is. It is. And you know, the worst part of having a mining farm is getting started. Once you get started, it, it starts getting easier. And the more time you have into it, it becomes like clockwork. But at the beginning of all this and doing, and I, I built this, the idea I actually mentioned on my channel was the end of 2017. I mentioned to my viewers, I think I'm going to do a mining farm. And then one day I did a video where I'm, I'm going to do the mining farm. I'm actually going to do it. And I spent all this money and time during a bear market. And to see all this money coming into this mining farm and watching the price of Bitcoin go straight down. You have no idea <laughs> how many people thought I was a complete loony doom. Uh, yeah, oh my. And I'm going to tell you though, 2018 was truly that time where it taught me. It taught me that, that lesson that I see a lot of people making mistakes with right now. Detach emotions completely detach your emotions from what you're doing with this investment. You know what I mean? Because it's going to destroy you and make me miss out on a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. So remove the emotions and amplify the research. You know, understand the numbers, understand what I'm doing and understanding the perspective or the, 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 the future of where this is going to go. Right? So now we're in 2019 and Fidelity comes out makes their announcement actually two days before fidelity made their announcement price of bitcoin kind of stabilized kind of strange mm -hmm. but uh 
ever since 2019 really kicked in, it's been feeling good. And then I go to consensus and I say, hey, tell me what you guys think about mining. Most people don't have answers, but then I start talking to entities that are behind mining, build mining um, um, platforms, build mining, um, which you call form, firmware, you know what I mean? They're really invested in this area like I am. And then you start talking to some institutions about this. The thing about mining that I find that, that, that the thing that makes me feel really good about 2018 and going through all that craziness is learning the fact that we see demand continuously rising and supply getting thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. Mm -hmm. And then we have a halfling event to where that supply is going to get even thinner. 50% from one day to the yeah. next. Boom. It's crazy. And, 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 a, and in the inside of a year, that year when we're really supposed to see more mainstream Wall Street adoption. So that virgin coin that I'm mining, this mining farm that I, that, I, that I thought I was crazy for doing, all of a sudden now seems like, holy moly, a great idea. As a matter of fact, a lot of the guys that understand the, the economics of the cryptocurrency world that I talked to there continuously told me that in the next few years, that virgin coin, and I even did a video about this, the virgin coin that I'm putting out there, the value that you could, that, that us miners are going to have on that, you know, the, the, how much our mining farms are actually going to be worth, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be something insane. Um, the year 2017 was the wrong year for the mega mining farms. Yeah, we saw some big Japanese companies, for example, dropping, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into it, and they shut down operations in late 2018 because yep. they weren't making any money. They lost it all. Yes. Even in even recently this year, several shut down. There was one in Canada shut down where I'm planning on buying their S-17s. Um, you know, they're still a shut down, but they over-engineered, overspent, you know what I mean? They, they went too big the way they try to do things. But uh, in the next few years, these mining farms, anyone watching this that has a pretty big mining farm, I mean, it's literally going to be like a diamond. It's going to be like mining diamond, something super rare everyone wants. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to take that virgin coin. This is something else I didn't think about. A lot of things that's going to happen, because we do this now, is we sell our Bitcoin OTC. We don't mm -hmm. sell it on the market. I don't know if any miners that actually, actually small miners do, but I don't know if any big miners actually sell it on uh, on market. But the 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 resell of of this Bitcoin, especially we sell it like a Bitcoin ATM, we could sell it to 5% over over spot, believe it or not. You can, you can sell it quite a bit more because it's virgin, right? But I was told that it would be treated a lot like the diamond, how they do diamonds to where you know, they mine these diamonds and instead of buying them right for X amount over spot and reselling them, they buy them and lock them up. Mm -hmm. Heighten the, they want to take them off the market. Of course. I, I've always thought that wall street would be doing that exact thing. They're buying them, taking them off the market, creating that scarcity. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why I don't like selling my Bitcoin, you know, just because <laughs> I know, I know this is happening. Right. And it's kind of that situation where you got to keep, keep accumulating them. One interesting thing about the, the Virgin coin thing you're mentioning is I, I've, I've talked to another miner before and he was saying, well, it's really good for us to have these Virgin coins because people want them because they can prove the origin of them. They can say, well, I got it from that miner there. It's not these coins that have been in circulation for, you know, seven or eight years and God knows what happened to them. God knows who used them for what. And that's for us is a problem because we need to have that proof of origin to say, well, or at least it's better for our investors or our lawyers or whatever it might be. Have you have you run into any of that? No. Um, it, see, it also depends on where you're offloading your, your Bitcoin. 
I honestly try to stick with the ATMs, the Bitcoin ATMs, as far as where we offload. Now, you can supply the OTC market. Uh, there are trading desks that will buy it from you. Bitfinex is actually one of them. Um, I've never sold a Bitfinex. I just don't want to. Um, but if you sell to an OTC desk, an actual OTC desk, uh, then you have to run into proof of where the, you know, actually show and make sure you can prove that you're putting Virgin Coin on their mm -hmm. desk. I mean, because there are the OTC market, there's there's so many different things with it. Uh, you have virgin coins with, or they call legacy coins, right? So they, the legacy coins are worth quite a bit because these legacy coins are the ones that were remained on a wallet even during the times of forks. So these forks haven't been claimed on these coins. Mm -hmm. There's like those coins are actually out there. You know what I mean? And then you have your Segwit coins and everything after legacy. Then you have your virgin coins now. And the same thing, if you could prove these are virgin coins, never been used, never been circulated, you can put them on an OTC desk and you can lock them up, you can sell them in a lockup, and then you have something that has more value that you can use to say it's have more value down the road. I mean, it's kind of a crazy market. It's almost like the diamond market. It really is. But I have never, while I myself got involved in OTC in 2018, my mining farm never, never really got involved in there. I don't know. But, it's, uh, but right now, that market's really changing. It's really, really getting tight. The... Um, there's not there. There's so many people out there saying that they're dealing with OTC Bitcoin right now. But I can tell you right now, from me still talking to some of those people, it's mm -hmm. like it's really thin. About your only place where you can buy OTC Bitcoin is from a trading desk now, OSL or a Bitfinex, somewhere like something like that. Because if you look what happened, I mean, we have the statistics. It's 10.5 million Bitcoin haven't moved in a year. We've seen that during the bear market. Um, it's come out today that uh, whales have gobbled up 450,000 Bitcoin. So that's 11 million Bitcoin out, right? We're only at 17.7 .7 million right now. Then, of course, we have to account for all the little holders who have, you know, one or two or five or 10 Bitcoin. Those guys are holding. Then, of course, you have to account for what the exchanges themselves are actually holding in terms of, you know, customer funds or whatever that are actually sitting on those exchanges. And that's probably a couple million between all the big exchanges. So we've just got down to a number where there's not a lot of Bitcoin. And especially when we go back to our earlier conversation that everyone thinks the price is going to go up. That's kind of the general mentality right now. By the end of the year, we don't know what the price is going to be, but it's going to be more. And right. if that's the mentality, who is going to their OTC desk and saying, yeah, I'm just going to sell a thousand Bitcoin because I don't think that it's going to go up like everyone else does. There's going to be those people, but it becomes very rare on the markets, and that's something really to keep in mind. Yeah, it is. And see, what we had, what we had in 2018 that we don't, that doesn't have the, the weight that it does now, was when the CME and the CBO. We much. I actually have an interesting insight that the CME gave me from uh, Consensus, but we'll get that in just a second. Um, when the futures contracts started coming out, and Bitcoin is all the way up here, then we we created an environment to play. We created a huge environment play and it was pretty clear that Bitcoin was heavily bought up at $3,000 in 2017. Once we hit like $3,000 and up, there was a lot of control on that, that, that range, right? But once you, once we open up those futures contracts, that OTC market actually worked hand in hand with those futures contracts, believe it or not. It's it's not as complicated as it sounds. It's something I don't want to get too far into, but it they they were they work together in a certain extent. You know what I mean? Playing those shorts, mm -hmm. being able to take OTC Bitcoin, pushing the market down. You know what I mean? And and, and play it again. And you can play it down. You can we're actually able to play it down and not lose money because you had these contracts. 
crazy stuff. But the CME, I had to question. I actually wanted to get the CME on camera when I was in consensus, and that, that wasn't happening. But the conversations that we had about December 17th, 2017, really evasive. Oh, no, it's not our fault. We didn't do it. It had nothing to do with it. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, sure, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. But here's, here's the thing that they that when we had a real conversation, finally, I mean, it took several times of me talking to the dude to try to get some comfort. And this made a lot of sense. He said, explain to me, okay, how do you onboard institutional money, okay, really big money into the cryptocurrency space, okay, how do you onboard them without giving them a safe spot to try it out? And I was like, that's a good question. I, I don't really have an answer for that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's what he said. The CME and the CBOE were a necessary thing to onboard that money. That paper Bitcoin, as much as everyone might have hates it, hates it and thinks it's the devil, that paper Bitcoin is was that first step for a lot of this big money to come in the space. That is how they got their feet wet. That is how they got acclimated to it. That is how they got interested. And when the price of Bitcoin was going down and they saw that the community didn't give up, there was something that's when they really start to see there's more there. But I mean I'm not trying to say that, you know, the paper Bitcoin is a good thing, but it was obviously a necessary evil, as, I, as much as I dislike it, I don't like it, to uh, actually onboard um, institutional money. I think there's two really big different ways that institutions are getting involved, too. There is the paper Bitcoin products, and there are some that I definitely like more than others. We've seen um, Backed, for example, they're proposing physically settled uh, Bitcoin futures contracts, and that's, um, that's very different from a cash-settled Bitcoin futures contract. So that's something definitely to keep in mind when we do talk about this is that they're not all created equally, but also that we are seeing these institutions, some of them, not many, but some of them are directly buying the Bitcoin. Now they may not be holding that Bitcoin directly, but they're directly buying the Bitcoin. And that's what Fidelity is enabling right now. They have that custodianship service. So someone puts in a phone call, yeah, hey, Fidelity manager, I'd like to buy $50 million in Bitcoin, please. And they make that happen. And it just happens. Right. And that's how easy it is for these guys to actually make these purchases. Fidelity gets the Bitcoin. They hold it in their custodianship. So these people are taking the actual asset. They're not taking the paper products, even if they're not holding them personally. And it's funny about Fidelity at Consensus is when you have those conversations, again, you're never I'm not big enough to get the guy like that. Those guys on camera, but they were willing to have the conversation with you. Um, the thing about Fidelity, though, here's the thing. They have a limited amount of buys, right? So, I mean, if you were a client of Fidelity and you were one of the institutions that were allowed to be onboarded first to try this out, you're only allowed to buy X amount. And it was actually pretty small amounts. But here's the other thing. though, I, I had this theory, and it was, it was confirmed when I was there, that they can't buy all this Bitcoin off of one market. They can't onboard all these people just through the OTC market or just through the traditional market. Mm -hmm. There's just not enough Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. They had to do blended buys. That's the only thing that made sense. And at Fidelity, I, I, when I got the consensus, I finally got that confirmed. That's true. Because there's, it's mathematical. It's impossible to do this in a healthy manner. So now we have the price of Bitcoin, wherever it's at, stabilized. We know Fidelity's putting money in the space. And then about another week, I think it is, they're supposed to onboard the rest of their institutions. You know what I mean? Now think about what price, what has Bitcoin done mm -hmm. this year with a small amount of guys test running 
just fidelity themselves. You know, it's just this conversation of there's just not enough Bitcoin. I feel like it should be an everyday conversation for people right now to understand that the scarcity, because I mean, you laid out good numbers. The only thing you didn't add to that was the number of Bitcoin that's lost. Yeah, that's right. I mean, up to six is the estimate on the lower end. It's four million, right? And that's massive. And you, you think about these different products. I mean, there's not enough Bitcoin probably for all of Fidelity's customers to have five. I don't know how many exactly customers Fidelity has, $7 but trillion dollars worth of assets Two and three to five percent of those of those uh, that managed funds wants Bitcoin. Granted, yes, they're not oh, not all three to five percent is going to buy 100 percent of Bitcoin. But even if it was just one percent of seven trillion dollars, okay, it's Fidelity's one company. It's one yeah. company. It's and then they're not the only ones getting in right now. You have to account that when Backed launches their physically settled Bitcoin futures, they're underwriting each of those pieces of paper with 25. I'm pretty sure it was 25 last time I saw actual Bitcoin. So if they're trading 10,000 contracts, they need a lot of Bitcoin to fill all those orders because they need the actual Bitcoin underlying it. And that's, we're gonna have all this Bitcoin locked up on Wall Street in these paper pro products. We're gonna have all this Bitcoin, which is gobbled up by Fidelity and other investors. We have the OTC desks, which are still rocking and rolling. We have Wall Street, which is, they're playing the diamond play, right? They're getting Bitcoin, they're locking it up to create scarcity on the markets. I mean, good God, how, how can people not be buying Bitcoin right now? It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not be trying to take every opportunity to, to get more Bitcoin? If you can't buy it, you know what I mean? And you're like, hmm, there's this investment opportunity over here. Why not take it? Yeah. Why not take it? I know, I know, I know, right? It's um, And there is a lot of opportunity right now in the market. And I know we kind of already touched on that, but it's, it's just so true. It's worth repeating because there's so much opportunity. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, you mentioned that, you know, guy and india with his mobile phone out in the, in the slums or whatever and that guy even if you don't have money this is the crazy thing about crypto right now even if you don't have money you can still make money in crypto how is that possible it sounds insane right well there's so many different opportunities to actually if you have no money i'm talking for the guys who have literally no money right you're working your nine to five you make nothing you can sign up for airdrops they literally just give free cryptocurrency away all these time all the time daily for these different promotional activities now you might only get a couple of bucks, but remember, Ontology, they had an airdrop of 1000 Ontology for just signing up for their freaking newsletter. It was worth $10,000 at its top. All you had to do was sign up for the newsletter. Anybody could have done that. And that's just one example of many of airdrops that people have got, and they've made tens of thousands of dollars off of just airdrops, just putting your email address in somewhere. So, I mean, that's, it's a long play, but it happens. So this is yep. another thing, again, opportunity, right? If you're, you got to get out there, you got to pave, hit the pavement and find those opportunities. There's, there's airdrops, there's different ICO promotional opportunities and all kinds of things happening if you can find them and take advantage of them. You know, something crazy is before Venezuela basically went into a state of civil war. I know that no one wants to call it that, but I'm going to say that just based off of the people that watch me from Venezuela. Um, I had helped so many people down there with their mining rigs. These people out there, Right when their currency got locked up, pretty much worth nothing, mm -hmm. and their way of life just pretty much stopped, they they turned to cryptocurrency and they realized that they're paying cheap power, so they started getting miners there. Okay, mm -hmm. these guys had no knowledge of really how to do this, so I spent a lot of time, oops, excuse me, helping these Venezuelans that would reach out to me, and you have no idea how one miner, one rig, one S nine, with two cents per kilowatt hour basically in their power cost in, in a country like Venezuela, how that 
changed a person's life. $150 investment for a, a mining rig and a PSU. I mean, and, and, and it, it's just crazy, you know what I mean, how, how crypto can change a person's life. It went from them getting one rig, mining, to getting two to ten, okay, and then mm -hmm. from having ten rigs to taking that crypto and saying, hey, you know what, maybe there's some investment opportunities. And these people are changing their lives. They're mm -hmm. changing their situation. They're turning themselves. They're, I, mean, you have, I know it's true. This is like something no one can ever take away from me because I've, I've had these conversations is the fact that you could take a person from in the worst situation where they lose everything, have nothing, and then they have oppression at the same time. And they turn to cryptocurrency and they turn their entire life around and they get the hell out of that that situation. And they have a, you know, now they have quality of life. Now they have a future. I mean, mm -hmm. I know for a fact that people who've taken the risk and tr and taken opportunity when they can change their lives. They absolutely do in this space. And it pisses me off to hear people try to discourage others from doing that sometimes. That's right. And you, ha you have to be ingenuitive. You have to get out there and take those those opportunities when they present themselves. And Venezuela is a great example. And I I've had a lot of conversations with people from all around the world. And there's capital controls in countries where you can only access $1,000. You can only send $1,000 out of the country a week or whatever, or once a time at a bank. And like all these different things come into play that just make it difficult to do business or difficult to do your day-to-day -day life. And obviously Venezuela is probably one of the the more extreme examples in terms of collapsing economies and stuff like this. And we just saw an interesting uh, statistic the other day. Now the Bitcoin versus the Argentine peso, it's hit an all-time high, right? So the Argentine peso has just gone down and 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 down, down, down. And that happens. And that happens to fiat currencies because at the core of fiat currencies is corrupt politicians mismanaging economies. And if you live in a country where you think, wow, my fiat currency is so good right now. Look around the world. There were a lot of people who thought just like you did before their currency collapsed and they weren't able to afford the basic things in life. So you have to take charge of your own financial destiny here. And a scarce asset like Bitcoin, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. Absolutely. And, you know, being here in the U.S., a conversation that almost any American can have is not if, it's when we will face another collapse. You know what I mean? And, and it's not just the United States. It's the, in the entire world. The U.S. dollar and all, all currencies around the world at one point were tied to something. We had the gold standard, right? Mm -hmm. Now we have no standards. And I can't remember the guy's name. He actually just did an interview with, I think, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. And someone said to him, you know, well, what about Bitcoin? It's not back to anything. And he's like, well, neither is the U.S. dollar. Oh, yeah, Pump, Anthony Pompliano, Morgan Creek. Yeah, but he's right. And that's the same, you know, and that's the thing though about that people don't realize with Bitcoin is it's pegged to a lot of things. It's pegged to people like myself and others who went out there and spent millions of dollars on mining equipment for infrastructure. It's pegged to those people that are in Venezuela who will have one or two machines going to change their lives. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If my machines and everything here in the United States shut down, let's just say, I don't know, 99% of the world shut down and you had 10 miners in Venezuela going, well, guess what? It's pegged something. There's value because people adopted it and kept it alive. There's no centralization. It's alive because the people invest themselves into it. It's not just the monetary value. It's it's the it's a personal investment that people put into cryptocurrency. And you can't say that about fiat currencies. The the whole idea of personal investment into money nowadays is really not a thing because I mean. When you have what is I can't remember like the average American, the average American has like sixty thousand dollars in debt, 
by the time I'm like 30 years old or something like that. You know what I mean? It's insane. I mean, yeah. And, and that's the debt's everywhere. I, it's credit card debt. It's student debt. It's house debt. It's car debt. It, the government's <laughs> nearly $23 trillion in debt. That, that number is so astronomically big. People don't realize that's never going to be repaid. And the whole economy is a house of cards because when you realize that the $23 trillion will never be repaid, what's that mean? It means that at some well, point they're going <clears> to <throat> collapse on that. So check this out. Here's a conversation I have with someone from Venezuela. So China, basically, there is one of their biggest, is one of the biggest debt holders for Venezuela. Okay, China and I think Russia, but China significantly. There's a lot of debt there. One of the big things that they, a lot of the, the Venezuelans feel, uh, China. There's a huge Chinese presence there that no one talks about, by the way. But there's this. Uh, the, the, the idea is that the China Chinese are weighing in so heavily on this is because China has put a lot of countries in debt through their loans, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing people will default when they take land, they build bases or, you know, whatever it is, but they still, just because they built a base or, or, or compromised, there's still a significant amount of debt to hold over the country. But the idea that the, this particular Venezuelan presented to me was China is weighing strongly on Venezuela right now because if Venezuela does change leadership and the new leadership says, uh, guess what? This is a new country, new leadership, new everything. We do not acknowledge your debt. Tough shit. Imagine if we saw every country or more countries around the world that had that kind of debt to China do the same thing, mm -hmm. which could lead to a huge problem for a lot of you know, for the world economy but that's 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 the thing that's that fragile delicate spot it's so delicate it's it's, it's truly like a it's, it's like a the straw that can break the camel's back and it's just one of many that's the thing we got all yeah. these straws approaching the camel back at the same time yeah. we we saw the other day that um the head of the reserve bank of russia came out and said that they're actively exploring a gold-backed cryptocurrency for international settlements. And what is Russia's number one export? It's frickin' oil. And if right. Russia starts settling oil in gold-backed cryptocurrency, that is gonna rock the international system big time because that means all of a sudden that the petrodollar is gonna be challenged for the first time ever, really. <laughs> and just think about well think about a country like russia right? why would they do that you know what i mean sanctions tariffs right mm -hmm. and it's just a matter of time before we do see a country like china we know iran is already talking about it you know what i mean mm -hmm. and you know you know it's funny this conversation you can lead into stuff like this you could actually guide this conversation to a whole another direction the idea that a cryptocurrency can actually be a banking vessel to settle transactions. I, I do not believe that will ever happen, not until some sort of a major cataclysmic uh, war or financial crisis. Because if you have, like, let's just say it's, I don't want to say XRP, okay, because a lot of people are going to get upset about that idea, but let's just say it's Litecoin, okay? <laughs> uh, every bank around the world is going to use to settle payments right now. Well, there's this thing that the SWIFT, swift and all banks around the world have to comply with is international financial laws right so north korea iran and china and russia have certain uh financial sanctions set against them that means that their whole economic model is kind of controlled by a central entity over here and they can control who can buy what where mm -hmm. they can spend right 
And yet, now, also who they're allowed to do business with. I mean, we've seen the U.S. telling Germany they're not allowed to buy Russian oil. Right. Now, so check this out. Now, that, now let's just say cryptocurrency becomes a vessel for that old system. Well, North Korea could simply just buy that cryptocurrency and transact with anyone anonymously mm -hmm. and no one can do anything about mm -hmm. it. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. And then there'll, again, be globe, there'll be fight back. Yes, that's why I feel like where we're at right now, though, is with this conversation, is for cryptocurrency to really come in and actually clean things up, which I think it can. I really do. We have to, we have to enter that dark ages financially. I do. I really do. I, it sounds crazy, but if you look at anything in nature, you can look at cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, and, and look at it a lot like nature. Whenever you have beauty, you're going to have destruction. Mm -hmm. When you have destruction, you will have beauty. When something starts to get out of hand, something will catch you and equalize you, like the mining difficulty. You know what I'm saying? Mining difficulty is that one thing that will always keep the market in check. It's, 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 it's that thing. It's that natural thing that comes in there and moves with how everything else moves, and too much is, is never, ever accepted in that system. I look, I look at cryptocurrency, and I look at nature all the same. I feel like we need to see the dark ages in and money to really change, to get that beauty. You know what I mean? The that question would be, is do you think that Bitcoin is the tip of the spear? Because that, that financial collapse at this point seems almost inevitable to happen. And we see all these things coming together from the currency wars, the oil wars, the sanctions regimes, the challenge to the petrodollar, the massive debt bubbles and all this stuff. Will Bitcoin be part of that movement or other cryptocurrencies, whether it even be gold-backed or different stablecoins or whatever it might be, will they kind of be that tip of the spear to actually bring that dark age around? I, um, I don't know if it'll be Bitcoin, but I, I do know this. I do know that Bitcoin is being treated like gold. And I know it's being treated like gold by American uh, uh, venture capitalists and in our institutions. I know it's being treated by gold, but here's the thing. So I had consensus. I actually had a debate with an institution, an institution while I was there. And in the very end, I made him realize that Bitcoin, every cryptocurrency on the market is pegged to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the king. It is the gold. And every other currency out there right now is fighting to be that cash. Right? That's, that's what they're out there. That's why mm -hmm. everyone's talking about transactions per second. That's the stupidest argument in my opinion, but that's the argument that every – currency tries to give you. I think when that war is won, that when that the cash war is won for, mm -hmm. for currency, I think at that point, I think then we'll see a real disruptor. Because I mean, Bitcoin is something that I don't want to sell. You know what I mean, you don't want to sell. Most people don't want to let go of it. And if I can, if I can let go of something else instead, I, I'd feel better. You know what I mean? I think once that war is won, I think then we'll see some serious disruption around the world, personally. It's interesting, too, how I think the stable coins are kind of starting to factor into this because they've been becoming so big recently. We've seen a lot of new projects coming in, which are all superior in one way or another to the old tether model, right, which was kind of the trust us. We have the money and then we don't have the money and sometimes we have the money and all that. Whereas, <laughs> you know, you have FDIC insured you know, bank accounts that are transparent and linked actually to the token so you can see where your underlying dollars are laying and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, we have what Stellar's launching, which... You mentioned XRP, and that's probably the biggest barrier to XRP actually overcoming is that it's not pegged to a stable value. And 
if we see what Stellar's launching with their big stablecoin network, that could be a real disruptor in the space, especially with the different uh, countries like Brazil that they're targeting, for example. Well, I did have a conversation with uh, IBM Blockchain about Stellar and that and that thing. Um, and we'll get to that one in just a second because now that you mentioned stablecoins, I um, I can't remember the name of the stablecoin that was there. Um, I had a real brief conversation because something I asked myself about stablecoins is stablecoins means that everything that you have has to be backed by a certain amount of dollars, right? So for every if you have a hundred million coins, you have to have a hundred million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So what happens when Bitcoin becomes worth a hundred thousand dollars? What happens when Bitcoin hits $100,000 and say Ethereum hits $10,000 and let's just say, God, XRP hits $10, okay? I'm just, I'm <laughs> XRP going to the moon! <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to think it's the top three and it's just easy. I'm not saying it's going to hit that, people. Gosh. But, Professional financial advice, guys, go buy XRP. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens when we get to that point and those market caps are through the roof? And, of course, all the other altcoins out there are going to be through the roof. Where's all this fiat current? Where's all this fiat going to come from mm -hmm. to support these stable coins? How is it possible? I didn't get an answer for it. So, but uh, there's, I mean, you can't really answer that question. I mean, what's our market cap right now? It's 274 billion. So, what happens when we hit? What happens if we hit 50 trillion dollars? That's a lot. That's a lot of fiat that's going to be logged up. Well, I guess one thing is that we're seeing right now is only really USD backed stable coins. We really have very little exposure to euros, very little exposure to yens, very low exposure to pounds and Brazilian real and all these different things. We will see probably a, a larger plurality of stable coins coming in, which will absorb some of that, I would imagine. But the other factor that comes in is crypto backed stable coins, because those will actually lock up the crypto and issue out the stable coins, things like make or die, for example. So that can kind of factor in here too. And there was no one solution, right? It'll be all these different ones coming together, but that is definitely an interesting point. <clears throat> See, I, in my mind, I'm, I have a hard time actually grasping the idea of a crypto backed stable coin. I, I do because it's like, it's trying to say that you can use, in my opinion, it's like saying that I can use the light from my flashlight to recharge itself. Does that make sense? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that that's that. It's like I, 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 that's where my brain is at. I mean, no one has so far been able to make the crypto back stablecoin really register for me. I know register for a lot of other people, and maybe I'm just not smart enough to get it. But uh, that's how I look at it. If someone explains to me how the crypto back stablecoins work, I just the easiest way I can describe how my brain process is looking at it is a flashlight trying to recharge itself with its own light. <laughs> that's the so, best way to describe it <laughs> that's an interesting well i guess if your flashlight's good enough and you have a good uh solar panel you know why not <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean that's that, yeah that'd be amazing that would be amazing you know but it's i i don't you know let me ask you this though do we really need a stable coin and, and does, do you think in your mind that a stable coin do, do you think a stable coin keeps our our, our crypto economy honest that's that the second 
part of the question is probably more interesting. I don't use stable coins. This is the thing. I appreciate that they exist, and I know a lot of traders like to use them, and I can see the the use cases for people in different situations, but I don't use stable coins. I, I hedge into Bitcoin. I trade into Bitcoin. That's my goal. So the stable coin thing for me is kind of, you know, but in terms of keeping keeping it honest, I don't know. It, it, stable coins have introduced so much, you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. I mean, just look at Tether and what, what a pain Tether has been over the years. I mean, just drama after drama after drama with Tether. And the stable coin has not always been so stable. I mean, one Tether right now is really only worth 74 cents because that's all the money that's backing it. And I know that the regular banking industry does all kinds of dirty stuff too, but just because the regular banking industry does bad stuff doesn't mean we should do it too in crypto land. I mean, Jesus, that's what we're trying to get away from. Exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to get away from that. You know what I mean? And we were trying, and it's like, we're trying to get away from that, but at the same, you know, here's, here's the hypocrisy. Damn, this is, this is, this just occurred to me. This has never occurred to me before. Here's the hypocrisy. We in our space are frowned upon for utilizing the tools and opportunities in our space, right? Mm -hmm. To make money. But in order for us to, but then that same group to, that wants more money wants to implement all the old things from the other system that prevented them from making money. <laughs> It all makes sense here. This has never occurred to me until now. So we, we want to say no to crypto opportunities and yes to the old opportunities coming into our space when those those dynamics didn't make you rich with fiat. I mean, that's right. The rich will get richer and the poor will get poorer with the old model. That's exactly how it is. And it's mm. never gonna change. You know, it's like, damn, that's never that like hit me like a ton of bricks right there. That it's, never, it's time to break the wheel, and that's what crypto does. And you know, this is probably the biggest criticism of the IEO market as it stands right now is that it is, to an extent, the rich getting richer because we can see there's, in order to be eligible for lottery tickets on Binance, for example, you have to have a certain amount of Binance token. And that's a lot of money for your average investor, keeping that real. Or, you know, the VCs that can get in early because they can bring in half a million dollars and it's it's a lot less stress for the ICO project to take a half million dollars from an accredited venture capital fund versus taking $500 from a couple thousand, you know, little guys, right? And it's that's the reality of the situation. So it, to change this dynamic round, I guess the other thing about the IEO market too is we're seeing small percentages come on. I mean, Matic was 19%, but a lot of the other ones were like 6% or something like that. And some are even smaller. I've seen some IEOs that are giving out less than 1%, less than 1%. So that's, you know, it is definitely problematic, but I think this is where the DEXs come in. And, and I wanted to ask you about this because you're, have you talked to the guys from Nash yet? Uh, yeah, it's funny. I just did a video about that today. You just, you just talked to them because I saw you were going to talk to them. So you talked to the guys from Nash and I think, I think this is one thing that is going to be so transformational for the entire cryptocurrency economy when we have real DEXs that have actual liquidity and actual user bases because the biggest decentralized exchanges right now are IDEX and um, Switchio, and, and there's a couple others that have some kind of marginal uh, liquidity, but IDEX and um, Switchio are probably the only ones that kind of regularly get over a million dollars a day in volume, which is nothing because Binance is doing six, seven hundred million dollars a day in actual volume. So we need to get, break that kind of mold. So what do you think about Nash? Do you think that they could be the ones that'll kind of break that mold of low liquidity DEXs? Oh yeah, I absolutely do. <clears throat> when I was at Consensus, Nash 
their their booth was set up downstairs, like literally in the basement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They were not trying to draw any more attention to themselves than they had to. But they had to be there because they had a lot of meetings, a lot of people from the VC world interested in talking to them. Me and that martini guy were actually together that day. And two hours that we were down there, I'm not kidding, almost every 10 minutes, a new VC came in, interrupted our conversation, shook his hand, had a lengthy conversation about this and that, shook his hand. I really like this. You are definitely going to hear from us. I mean, the support they got, okay, from, from, from the VC world, I'm telling you, that's something I, I pointed out in today's video. The support that they got from the VC world is huge. And now their, 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 their platform is built on top of NEO. And here's what's really, really interesting. NEO, I just did something for NEO at Consensus. I actually did an interview with John Davidos, right? From Neo, he's our, he's the, the Microsoft executive that went over to Neo. This guy's pretty damn lethal. Anyhow, they were happy with some of the stuff that uh, we did, and they're like, you know what? You need to go meet the Nash guys. Neo is really, really supportive of Nash. I mean, they have no qualms bringing them resources. You know what I mean? It's like you're not just getting one entity; you're getting an entity, two entities, and one. And, and not to mention that uh, Fabio and Ethan are, are, are both, I mean, developers from Neo, and they still do a lot for them. But it's, I don't know, just, just that, that's one dynamic. And the other dynamic is the fact that the world's first STO. They're in securities. If you mm -hmm. own that coin, you get paid dividends. I, I just really think that DEX is going to be extremely successful because of the fact that the coin is not needed for that platform. The way it works is decentralized. I mean, the coin equals dividends, ownership of the company, and they want you to basically take this thing right here and do all your banking and do all your trading and do all your buying and selling. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm super intrigued by it. I, I, I think it, I, I think it's going to do well. I do. I mean, if you look at Switchio right now, Switchio is also built on Neo and it's super successful right now. Yeah. I mean, it's a billion dollars, but still, you know what I mean? It seems Switch like is a good exchange, though. It, it doesn't get a lot of attention because I think a lot of people are afraid of DEXs for some reason because it's less familiar than uh, the other ways to trade. But, God, they're super easy to use. I was doing some trades on IDEX yesterday. It's like, da, 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 da. like why, why are people not doing this? It's just so easy to do. It's just a little bit of a learning curve. But Switchio yeah. is great. Switchio is a great exchange. But I think Nash is going to totally blow Switchio and IDEX out of the water. Sorry, guys. I, li I like you, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, speaking of DEXs, so there's this thing that everyone's talking about right now that uh, at Consensus, they had this conversation about KYC, right? And how KYC and then the regulators, international uh, monetary funds and all that stuff are wanting to get in there and create a lethal with KYC for all these exchanges. Here's what I can tell you, though. What the media is reporting on it isn't exactly the same as the conversations that you were having while you're there. Mm-hmm. The conversations that you, that you were having while we were there were actually geared towards entities like BitMEX, believe it or not. This is where like decentralized exchanges have so much like, man, we really need them. And if, whether you agree with leverage trading or not, but where there's places where people are making a lot of money right now that aren't doing KYC, you know what I mean? There's... BitMEX is one of those entities that they're going to come down hard on. They really are. I, and that's something I think they know it's coming. You know what I mean? And I, I know a lot of people are in denial of it, but that article was geared toward things like BitMEX, you know? 
this is where I, and I, again, whether you agree with it or not, we got into crypto to get away from all that stuff, right? We got away, we got, we did this to, to, to have our freedom, mm -hmm. have our complete hundred percent choice to make money or lose your money. It's all in your hands, your control. And knowing that that kind of conversation existed, and again, whether you agree with Levis trading or not, everyone in crypto should have that freedom to, to do it privately, to do it when you want, 24-7, so hopefully, I don't know, I, I think Nash will change things. Nash, of course, can't be a leverage trading platform because of what it is. But the idea that Nash is going to bring a, a, a DEX on a, on a massive scale, you know, supported by a, in a, in a securities, I, I think opens up the doors to a lot of new possibilities for freedom. Actually, I do. I really do. And this brings it back around, actually, to the IEO and... There is, a, there is a different way to do IEOs and um, doing it through a decentralized exchange is a, a different way to do it. Now, there has been a little exploration of that idea previously with some different blockchains, but no one's really nailed the model down. Right. I, I don't even know if this is something Nash is talking about or even in their consideration or even something they'd be willing to say at this point due to regulatory concerns and all this stuff. But that possibility to, again, sh shake up the way that we do this innovative fundraising DEXs could be the next part of that. Now that's down the road. We have to get through the IEO boom first and go through centralized exchanges offering these sales. But at some point we'll see that actually moving to the decentralized exchange world too, I think. You know, I, I, do, I agree with you. I think right now the model is IEO. And I think when this burns out and we start and we find something else, we'll find something else at a time when regulators are probably gonna try and step in a little bit and, and tighten down a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think I think you're right about this. I think our next step for fundraising, our next step for innovation and new projects is going to be through a DEX. I do. I think next step, maybe next year or the year afterwards. You know what I mean? We've already seen regulators looking at the, looking at cracking down. I I don't remember the exact story, but basically that the U.S. regulators were looking into platforms like Binance or Bittrex International or Huobi International, all these different things, because they offer IEOs on their platform, which essentially makes them an illegal money transmitter business or something like this. But even though they don't offer that to U.S. citizens, the fact that it happens on a platform where U.S. citizens are allowed to go, they find potentially displeasing in one way or another. So we might see that regulatory crackdown come towards these centralized exchanges at some point, even if they are not operating with U.S. citizens in that direct regard. Yeah, I, I, believe, they, I believe we will. I, I believe you will see a letter being sent sooner or later to Binance from the SEC, maybe even Department of Justice. Something to try to shake things up. I do. <laughs> Cut it out, America. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I, that day is coming. And I think I, I know think things know that too. You know what I mean? That yeah. day is coming. You know, and, and here's the truth though. You don't have to, and, and this is a part again where people are, are, have to look at, you know, what what's really evil here, okay? It's not the platforms that are making people lose money that draw the attention. It's the platforms that are making people money that draw the most attention. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned BitMEX first, right? And the fact that consensus, when we talk about KYC and the international community of bankers, whatever you call that, wanting to get together and do something, BitMEX was that conversation. And now we hear Binance. I mean, why not mention HitBTC if you want to go after somebody? HitBTC. Mm -hmm. 
and known, notoriously known for, you know, all of a sudden your withdrawals aren't working. You know what I mean? Or, I mean. That, well, the, 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 the thing has always been, you have to prevent people from getting rich, at least the wrong people from getting rich. Right. All right. Who's the wrong people for? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you, need, you need people for and in, in the, the world for the world of work, I guess. I don't know. Uh... You know, you actually, I want to switch gears here because on your Twitter, right? And this is, and I know it's a strange place to ask this, but we're here. Yeah, yeah for sure. Twitter, you posted something about the, um, one of the species of rhino, rhinos being extinct. Which one was it? The, it's uh, uh, the Sumatran rhinos. The, the species hasn't gone extinct completely. It's gone. It's um, the last male died in Malaysia, so it was the last one on Borneo, um, and it's gone extinct. So now there's only a tiny fragmented population living in Sumatra, about thirty to eighty at maximum uh, individuals. Here's a question. I was wondering, maybe you would know better than I would. If not, this is something I should be thought about because if you think about how much financial power crypto actually has okay and how easily that power can grow is there it does something exist right now in this space for some sort of type some type some sort of like your world wildlife fund or something like that in the crypto space you know not that i know of i know there's different organizations that are working in one way or another to try and support different initiatives and things like this but Definitely blockchain technology could come in in a lot of different ways, even just in terms of a, a transparent World Wildlife Foundation, right? And I know that a lot of these big charities have looked at one way or another bringing blockchain in. We have seen um, on a human level, um, they forked Ethereum and they're using it for payments for Syrian refugees and Jordanian camps and things like this to do purchases and all these different things. So a lot of that is being explored in terms of these more humanitarian efforts. Um, in terms of trying to save the rhinos, God, I don't know. That, that story made me so depressed yesterday because I, I, I'd known about this uh, particular rhino for a while. I'd, I'd been looking into him and, you know, it's like, oh, my God, this guy's so cute. He's such an amazing critter running around in, in Borneo. It's like, you know, a big, big horned pig thing. And and then he died. I was like, no, why world? Why are you so cruel? But um, <laughs> I definitely think there's a lot of potential for the crypto community to have an effect on these kind of things. And I think it'd be great PR for the crypto community because one of the biggest things you see is, oh, Bitcoin uses all this energy and it's causing the world to fall to pieces. And that's when I saw that it actually got me thinking. It got my gears turning about that because like I'm a hunter. My, I'm a hunter. I love to fish. I, I'm one of those guys that uh, I like to eat what I kill. Okay. But Here's the thing with that mentality is you have a strong sense of conservation. Don't kill more than you need. Mm. You know, don't, fish for, don't, don't, don't take more than what you need. You know what I mean? I, 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 each year I kill two deer and I can make two deer last me and my family a whole year. You know what I mean? I can turn it into sausage, all kinds of meat. But the conservation aspect of it is important. Fishing. I never take more than my limit. I enjoy fishing. You know what I mean? I enjoy wildlife. And, and then at the same time, I enjoy cryptocurrency, right? And I'm, I, I saw that it just got me thinking about all these things that I find important. I'm sure a lot of other people find important. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm buying Harley Davidson's right now with my Bitcoin. I did. I bought a Harley Davidson with Bitcoin. And I'm like, you know, the, there's a lot of power in cryptocurrency. And why, why, why can't we use cryptocurrency to, to, to change something? You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just surprised that nothing exists yet because you can do this in a way and still be profitable, you know? It's it's not impossible. I mean, think of all the different areas of the world that we've plugged in cryptocurrency mm -hmm. into a profitable model. And if you turn if you turn some sort of, of fund or initiative, you know, what I mean, if you, if you apply cryptocurrency 
and that financial power towards trying to save something, right? Versus just trying to always take something. I don't know. I, I Lark, I think there could be some sort of huge, huge impact that could actually be made. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. It's got me thinking. I know it's off topic. I, I, just, I just don't think everything's people, on topic. Yeah, I, I, know, I know. I just don't think a lot of people have enough of these conversations. You know what I mean? Because I mean, think of the space we're in. And this goes back to the conversation I have with those in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. I've seen what getting into the decentralized world can do. You know, I don't know. It's just, I'd be completely honest when I think about a lot of these funds, wildlife funds, just like, you know, it's just like any other business. Someone has to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, so I mean, that's right. Well, there's a lot of different initiatives. I talked to the guys from a, a project called Regen Network, and they're working on like regenerating forests and soil and all this kind of stuff. And they're working with uh, small farmers who are doing um, you know, multi-crop agriculture and stuff like this versus monoculture. So actually, bringing back the rainforest, for example, in Ecuador, and you can actually have your farm, but in the rainforest, and it's just better for everything. That's the soil health is better. The products that you make are better. The local communities are better because now instead of cutting everything down and just putting in chocolate trees, well, now you've got hardwood trees and you can cut those down in 20 years and make great profit off of that. And you have papayas and mangoes and all this stuff to actually feed yourself instead of just trying to sell a commodity crop to make money to feed your family and all this stuff. So there's definitely things being done and th those kind of initiatives are supported by some of the world's biggest companies who want this kind of PR thing like, oh, look, we're supporting, you know, regenerative agriculture in Ecuador and here's the verifiable proof that we've done it based on the blockchain and all that stuff. So there are some projects that don't get enough um, PR without a doubt because it's not sexy, unfortunately. I would love for people to you know, have a little more focus on trying to save the animals and you know, preserve the rainforests and stuff like that. But the biggest conversation we ever talk about, you know, if, if I make a video that says what the price of Bitcoin is going to do tomorrow, that video is going to get 10 or 20 times as many views as like, hey, let's do something good for the planet. That is an inconvenient truth. <laughs> it is an inconvenient truth. I understand it. everybody wants to make money. That's that's a large yeah. part reason why we're investing in cryptocurrencies because we'll make money. But it we have to realize that when we do make money, we have the ability to have positive impacts with that money. Like you can go out and you can buy a motorcycle or a car and all those things. It's great to have convenience. It's great to have nice things. I make sure I have nice things for myself too. But one thing that I do, I always, you know, I've got a whole raft of different charities that I have, you know, make monthly contributions to across a whole range of different projects. And if I make more money in crypto, then I'll give more money away. And, you know, when I have good investments. I'll give a little bit to like some of the crypto um, charities that accept cryptocurrency, like uh, what is it? The Water Project, for example, they take Bitcoin donations and they're out digging wells for people, making sure that people have access to clean drinking water in, in some of the world's most impoverished regions, you know, great stuff like that. A little bit of Bitcoin can go a long way. And the one thing I think with um, Bitcoin donations for people or for the environment, because this is the one thing when you say, oh, I'm going to spend my Bitcoin on something, people say, oh, but it's going to go up, right? You're going to make more money off your Bitcoin at some point. It's the only thing that I think is invalidated in that conversation is investing in the environment or investing in other humans. Because that is the only thing that no matter what the price of Bitcoin is today, there's an urgent need for that money to save 
animals to preserve the rainforests to help people in impoverished situations and the the return for that is also going to be a 100x return now you're not going to see that personally financially but it's going to be a 100x return for those animal species it's going to be 100x return for those rainforests and it's going to be 100x return for those people that you help lift out of poverty or provide clean drinking water for so i never feel bad giving money uh, bitcoin to any of these charities because it's it the profit is there it's just not a financial profit directly for me no and see that's that's admirable because i mean and they, at the end of the day it's um you can have all the money in the world you and you can have everything in the world but uh, when you don't have a world <laughs> you have nothing <laughs> <That's> exactly <laughs> yeah, right exactly right <laughs> You know, and all the all this stuff adds up. The rhinos, man, this is they're the major seed distributors in the rainforest. Without them, the rainforests are not healthy. Agreed. And that's the thing. When I, when I saw that, kind of, I don't know, it just just troubles me. We're in this space. There's so much damn money in our space. There's there's truly power in our space. We have the power to make governments react. We have the power to scare the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. We have the power to disrupt a countries. We have the power to give people freedom when freaking dictators are trying to take it away. And we can't, right now we are not doing, we, we're not set, that's what I was looking at, we're not set up to actually, we, we can't apply that power towards something different yet. You know what I mean? I half, the t- half the time the community is just arguing over, you know, identity politics or some BS on Twitter, you know? <laughs> right. It's just like, come on guys, there's so many more things we could be doing. I don't know. Maybe we can inspire someone to do something with this. I'm mean, sure some that's developer right. out there somewhere has the same ideas. Like, hey, you know, that's a good idea. Cryptocurrency is powerful. Hmm, maybe I can create a, an, a token economy or a token model to make hunting down poachers profitable. Not not saying kill anyone, just, yeah, just you know, <laughs> arrest them, arrest them. Well, arrest and, and or just you know supporting those um, organizations that are already doing those kind of things. I mean, that's one of the biggest. Uh, things right now is that there's a lot of rhinos for example that have round-the-clock bodyguards and those guys have to be paid and it's a very effective way of stopping people from killing them if you have other guys there with guns to stop people from the guys with guns coming and killing the rhinos it's pretty effective <laughs> yeah i mean uh why did indiana joe say i don't bring a, a knife to a gunfight <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying oh, i don't man. know i just we we, we have our our space is so you know and, and i think we said this last time we talked we're, we're like in our infancy right we're we're like toddlers right now we're, we're just I, I don't i don't think we're really walking just yet i don't think we quite really realize our potential and i also think at the same time we don't realize our potential we're also just as naive as a toddler sometimes and missing out on where we can help ourselves and then where we can also help others you know and I, I just feel like, I don't know, in our space right now, our space is getting very toxic, I have to say. Our space right now is thriving more off of who can throw out the best insult, who can find the, 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 the biggest crap to talk about a project, who can knock down someone else for being successful. Mm-hmm. And it's just like we've got so much power and potential. I don't know. It's just, well, it's, it's it's the human problem of we're recreating the old systems and in, in the new system that we're trying to build, right? We're, we're bringing all the crap in, all of our team sports mentalities of politics and all this crap. Like, no, none of that is required here. This is the money of the future. Let's focus on building the money of the future and the economy of the future running off of all these different decentralized systems and totally shake these models up and turn them on their head. 
let's not get bogged down in the he said, she said, BS, any of that stuff. It's a massive waste of time and energy when we have all these things that need to be addressed as a human society. And we're arguing over who, who's right about something that doesn't matter. I know I used to say that the that, that cryptocurrency and Bitcoin has more drama than the episode of the Kardashians. <laughs> I used to say that all the time. And it's getting worse. I don't know what's more dramatic than the Kardashians right now. I don't know. Um what what's that uh, what is that one about that little girl who had uh, grew up in the south and she called herself like honey boo boo or oh something? Oh my god. You know exactly where I'm going. I mean, we're getting we're getting on that level right now. Like drama <laughs> just killing me. You know, it's like what is going on here? Let's not bring this crap in here. You know, the same time that we're being dramatic, we're politicizing ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We want to get away from politics. We want to get away from regulators, but we ourselves want to take that role and tell you what's right and what's wrong, and don't do this because it's not working out for me, so it's not going to work out for you. And it didn't work out for me, so you better not do it, or else I'm going to ostracize you. Make sure mm-hmm. it's like I thought we're getting away from that. I mean, you got to get such a good point in so many ways. It's not just the financial models; it's it's our actions. Psychologically, you know? it's really difficult. I mean, cognitive dissonance plays a massive role in so many things across our human experience, right? We can be presented with facts about how money works, right? We can understand those on a rational level and yet continue to ignore the reality of it because changing our belief system is too hard. Or if we are going to start dabbling in something that might challenge our belief system in the long run, we're still going to bring in all this other stuff that defines our belief system and don't want that to be challenged because again, this is kind of the way we see the world and it's 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 the human experience. It's a big mess, but it's a beautiful mess, and I'm I'm glad to be part of it in any kind of way that we are. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about it that way. The cognitive distance. Yeah, we're 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 definitely. It's I guess yeah. It goes back to what I was saying about. Um, I used to say about Bitcoin is like the abusive boyfriend, right? One day is beating the hell out of you. Next day shows up with flowers and candy, and all is forgiven. This is like a you know you go from a bear to a bull market, and 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 it's that this that is yeah. There's this this mentality. I guess it's, it's hard to it's this emotional mentality. I can see how you, I, I see what you're saying there. You know, it's like how do you break people of that though? You know, how do you get people to say, hey, listen, fresh environment, fresh perspective. How do you? What's the secret? Where's the formula? It's really tricky. You know, a lot of political philosophy. Um... I read a lot of this stuff back in the day and even and taught it at university as a teaching assistant for a while and all this stuff. But like a lot of political philosophy, you kind of come back on some of these ideas like if we had a clean slate, right? Because a lot of political philosophy was based off of like, well, what if we had the ideal society and stuff like this? But if we had a clean slate, what kind of society would you make? What would you bring into that? Would you bring in a lot of the stuff that we've over time as results of traditions come to adopt? Probably not. Right, if you were sitting down and having this clean slate utopian build, but we don't, and we never will have that clean slate utopian build. We have to deal with trying to build the society of the future while dragging all of our baggage along with it. You know? Yeah, it's it's kind of what you're saying there makes perfect sense in a lot of ways. It really does. But you has you got to figure out. Where, where, where in society are we imprinting these, these toxic, this, this toxic behavior, this toxic mm. 
right? Where, where are you doing this? And, I, and, I, and I'll give you an example, okay? God, this is way off topic. But this is, this is, <laughs> we're just going off the deep end now, man. We're a couple steps away from talking about aliens and AI. And <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I love that topic. So, like, you know, when I, I had conversation with someone one time, and when it came to – actually, we, I could go this route. I had a conversation – about the importance of science, math, technology, or STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, right? Mm -hmm. How the importance of that. And throughout history, no matter what happens, we always rediscover it. And the, the, where I was going with this conversation with my friend is that doesn't matter what happens, that will always come back, we'll always rediscover that. And then science is a real threatening discussion towards someone who's overly religious mm -hmm. and you know he kept saying well no theology will come back and i said tell you what if we threw away all religious books tomorrow and threw away all science math uh, technology and engineering books tomorrow every one of them off the face of the planet tomorrow which one will come back in a thousand years you know what I mean? But now, that's, that being said, that being said, okay, I'm not saying that the, the, the religious side is a bad habit. I'm just saying that we imprint certain ideas and certain things, right, our, our way we see things. So what do we need to cut out in order to have a healthy environment with cryptocurrency? I mean, what, mm. where, where is that baggage stored at, that mindset stored at? So I'm trying to figure out. You know what I mean? Where, 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 where is that? basket so we can just go ahead and cut that shit out of there and say all right let's have a real clean state with a real clean perspective and leave the baggage back there you know what i mean that's, that's it there oh there's a lot and there are a lot of areas and you know everyone out there listening if you're still with us we're still with us after, I, I i i said going into this we're not going to do more than an hour here we are over an hour <laughs> it always happens for stuff it always happens but everyone can let us know their ideas down below in the comment section you know in terms of this but there's so many of these beliefs that we can kind of cut like our beliefs about money right a lot of people grow up thinking that money for some reason is a bad thing right so many people will drag this around with the money's a bad thing making money's a bad thing getting rich is a bad thing rich people are bad people who have money are bad these are all beliefs about money that are inherently not true right because money is not good or evil money is just a medium of exchange when it comes down to it but we have a beliefs about money same way we have beliefs about democratic institutions, right? That the way our voting system works is the way it always has to be because that's the way my dad voted and I have to vote in the same way. Not that we could revolutionize our governments and our societies with new technology. Again, these are beliefs that we have that someone else has to be in charge. For example, someone else has to be in power when we're actually creating the very systems that let you be in power, let you be a self-sovereign agent in our modern world where you can actually make real decisions about the way society works that technology is starting to be built. The question is, can we disconnect ourselves from our beliefs of the way we think things have to work because they have worked to let ourselves let things work the way they could work? I think you just answered my, my, uh, my question, money. And money, just, yeah. <laughs> it, money. It just boils down to money and what we see money as. It's a medium of exchange and we look at it as, we don't even look at it as something affectionately. It's not even, we don't look at money in any kind of an affectionate way. We look at money as, as a pain, you know, it's, it's bills. Mm -hmm. it's, it's your car payment. It's your insurance payment. It's the gas. It's your nine to five. You don't like going to. Yeah. You know, it's funny. God, you said the nine to five word. Then that just makes me think a whole different direction. Now when someone <laughs> says nine to five to me, that's, 
that's the hours of your life that you're exchanging for money. Mm-hmm. You exchange hours of your life that you'll never get back from money that you can make any time, by the way. But you are exchanging those hours for your life. And time is something you never, ever get back. Whereas we're in the cryptocurrency space right now, and you can grab almost any kind of opportunity. Risky opportunities, mind you, yes. But you can grab an opportunity and take yourself out of that, that model because your timeline gets shorter and shorter and shorter. I mean, yep, every day, work, every second. You work this much of your life. It's the way we're designed. Where you work this much of your life, and then you enjoy this much of your life, and then what? Die. And most people don't even get that window. That's right. They hit by a bus or something, and it's over. Or they don't save enough money. They work three jobs, but they still don't make enough money because someone gets sick or their house burns down or whatever, and everything's gone in a flash like that. Just like that. And meanwhile, we have an opportunity, if you look at it from a fresh perspective, and let go of the pains from from the money world and let go of the Kardashian-style freaking drama and let go of the freaking National Enquirer freaking mindset now look at what you have as a real opportunity to change your life and escape that 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 model that robs you of hours of your life, and 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 get in cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Open your mind. You know what I mean. Take, Take the risk. Protect your yeah. downside and let your upside run. This is right. you know it's simple, but it's really hard to do. Gosh. <laughs> It is. It is. I don't know. This conversation is very enlightening. We should have, why don't you know, we should have like a Joe Rogan experience in crypto from now on. Yeah. Here. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about AI aliens and DMT next time. <laughs> <I'll do it. laughs> awesome. Christoph. Well, let's, let's wrap it up here. This has been a super, super interesting chat as always. So thanks for your time coming out today and, and, you know, chatting crypto with me. It's super fun. And I hope everyone out there in the audience, if you stuck with us, that you enjoyed the chat a lot. I know I certainly did. So Christoph, thank you so much. Hey, anytime. I, I always enjoy coming on your show. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.